everyone welcome to episode 25 of the thirst for knowledge podcast it's me lawrence and always as always i have my co-host steve here how are you doing steve wonderful wonderful yeah there's uh been a lot of magic going on i watched the u.s players tour uh congrats to cory burkhart for his uh success there uh coming back from a two three start to win the tournament is pretty nuts Definitely. Oh, it was it was an insane field too at the top table. So, mm-hmm. like he didn't he didn't just beat like scrubs. So yeah, I'm. <clears throat> so, in terms of the viewpoint of like losing the classic pro tour, right? You're not going to have like the uh, Shota Yasuko versus LSV matches anymore, right? Correct. But. Having, like, two weekends in a row where there's just a bunch of, like, high-level magic. Like, I'm going to be honest. I haven't really watched Star City tournaments because they don't interest me as much lately. This isn't, like, um, a dagger to the player base. But, like, the average Star City match is uh, some random person versus, like, maybe a grinder or whatever. And usually the grinder just, like, milly rocks on the other guy's face. Uh... And I've found that dynamic to be less interesting than just watching, like, the Pro Tour stuff. Because, like, every round there's just high-quality magic. Um, And it was really nice to have, like, three tournaments happen where there's just, like, you know, more more content that I could actually, like, reasonably consume. Which was an interesting and nice spot to be in, you know? Oh, I definitely agree. Well, for me, like... The people that you see, the randoms, when they hit the tournament, they're usually there for a reason. They're really good. You know, or or there's there's someone you don't know, but that's you know a long time, you know, professional grinder. You just don't know them as well, and you get a moment to highlight someone like that. You know, I, I think that's what drives me. Like you know, I forgot about uh, Joel Larson, you know, because it's been so long, and then he's like, you know, he crushed it in the European PT. Yeah, I. Like, the thing that got me into competitive magic was the 2012 World's Finals of Shota Yasoka versus Yu Watanabe. And I always liked Wizards, like, pro tour coverage. Because there was just, like... It was always high level and kind of gave something to aspire for, right? Like, something to look up to. Yes. And Star City coverage doesn't do the same. Uh, for me, it like I, I watched a lot of Star City coverage when I was getting into competitive magic. But this is like the BBD Brad Nelson days, right? So like the nostalgia I have for Star City coverage is largely gone because like the people who I found interesting to follow on a weekly basis have like moved over to other things. And um, I personally just don't find it as interesting or like some of the commentators just don't interest me as personalities. I found myself watching coverage on mute a lot, uh, like in between other stuff. And it was just like, you know, kind of whatever to me. I watched uh. the star city event had a, the young team that the team Tundra, I think they called them team hallowed fountain, but they were all playing 
that was a newer team and they were interesting to watch. They got destroyed, unfortunately, in the end. But like, it was fun to watch them. As like a new, I they were really good. Like the, they were very solid players. And I and I think that's what I miss is seeing like some unknowns. Because I, well, I like how Star City brands their players. Sometimes I don't want to watch the same players all weekend. Yeah, I definitely have found myself rolling my eyes and going, "Yeah, I don't want to watch X person again," or you know, something of that nature or whatever. It, I am definitely in a similar spot. It's like, I appreciate Star City for what they do, but I'm just at a point where, like, I'm not really actively playing Magic. And, like, if I'm watching a tournament, uh, I kind of just need something a little more interesting there. And the pro tour coverage uh, definitely gave me a bit of that. Um I mean, we had like, we had Peter Ingram, who is an NRG guy in the top, I think the top eight of that PT bracket. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he, he, they talk about him for a second, but he's not a Star City guy. So you don't see him even though he's there. All well, the he time. used to be a Star City guy. Right. But like, yeah, Jacob Wilson, that man haunted nightmares in Legacy back in the day in Rug Delver. You know, he's a human robot. Um, you just had like a really cool, like, Players from old, players from new. I mean, Huey Jensen, apparently he's now won something amazing in four different decades. The first Magic player to do that. Uh, so. so Jacob Wilson also had like an 80% win rate or something absurd like that in Legacy. Uh, yeah. When he was, like, during his whole reign of terror uh, back in the Star City days. Right. It's just, I think it was really cool to see you know, different players and get to highlight it. Uh, I don't know if Pioneer is a healthy format, um, but it's still fun, you know, to see different people playing. Yeah, I haven't I haven't watched enough of the format or played enough of the format to really have an opinion. It seems like... Um, It, it seems like it's in a fairly nice spot. Like, there's a really good combo deck, but I feel like there's the tools to fight these combo decks. The inverter deck at least creates interesting-ish games to watch. Um, the games look more interesting to play, but, like, to watch, it was kind of a bit whatever. Um, and... I... I think the format looks fine at face value. Of course, like people are going to question whether or not dig through time is a card that should or shouldn't be in the format debatable. Uh, and along with that discussion comes the should treasure crews stay unbanned and again, debatable. Like if they ban dig through time, should they also ban treasure crews? Who knows? Um, but I found the matches on camera interesting one thing i like about pioneer is that a lot of the decks are kind of dorky so like there weren't insane blowouts one way or the other based on matchups it was just kind of like everyone had their deck their deck kind of did a thing and they would just uh make it rock from there and uh i i appreciated that i my only caveat to pioneer so I, I really don't like the blue-black inverter deck because I do think it kind of oppresses certain strategies. like Such as? 
well, mid-range green strategies and stuff like that. But because, the bug like, deck. The well, is... I'm speak. I'm speaking of the mono green post deck that we did have, right? There was the it was they they banned the ley line and then they banned um, they banned like three cards from it to finally kill it, and then like chunky sure. chunky red also died the mid-range red deck because the blue think... like. Go ahead. I think arguably, like, I get what you're saying, but I think there's this general viewpoint that, like, every deck archetype has to exist um, within a format. I don't think that's necessarily the case, and Pioneer's been cycling so quickly that it is kind of nice to see how these metagame, like, the metagame ebbs and flows, Uh, but I can see how, like, you know, I'm in the position where I'm not buying cards, and I rarely have to buy cards, um because I can like borrow them on moto or I have rental services or whatever. Uh, and I can understand how if you're a player and a format is constantly in flux and you're trying to figure out what you're going to do, uh, how that would be a very frustrating system to operate within. But I personally am pretty... I care less about that and I'm just kind of interested in seeing how the format evolves. I, I don't uh, mind. So that is somewhat... I, like, I don't mind saying? the... I don't mind the blue black deck like having dig through time because I don't I think dig through time will be if they ever want to nerf the deck they'll take dig first because that's as oracles the rare in the current set and they've been really kind of loath to like touch rares from current set unless they have like no other choice like we got oath and nissa banned before once upon a time even though once upon a time was the culprit and even Leylight of abundance and it was once upon a time that was the problem card but they didn't want to you know, tag the real problem because it was the current rare from the set. And um, so they like, you know, they chopped other things first and, you know, they'll say dig through time's the problem. Thassa's Oracle being a card is just super obnoxious for a, a range of decks because unless you have like a a prevent a prevent from losing button, like the, the three mana Gideon or something like that, you just die. You know, like they can, they can r- arrange certain ways where they just win the game but i don't even mind that deck compared to the the lotus deck i think the lotus deck is lotus breach is almost offensive to me i i like the fact that like if there's an aggro deck in the format you um basically have to be in white right like it's nice to see or black, like the bucking of the color pie in terms of like these standards of just like, here's the red deck, here's the whatever deck, here's the this deck, here's the that deck. Um, you know, it's nice to see people forced to utilize other tools that they may not, you know, otherwise use. And um, I... Like, I don't mind the inverter deck existing. I get that it forces things out of the metagame, but I'm fine with that. Like, I don't think every deck being representative is actually indicative of a healthy metagame. I think that, like, I, I don't know how to describe it. Like, you look at a format and you're just like, yeah, this is healthy. Um, I If it becomes reciprocal... So, like, it, it, the creation of the deck creates something else that feeds on it and pushes it down and then causes those decks to come back. I'm okay with it. Because I think that's what we miss. I miss that. Like, the, you know, 
a reciprocal metagame where it's shifting and flowing. I just worry that if it stays up as a pillar and oppresses like mid-range decks, non-blue mid-range decks, then I don't want to see the deck exist, if that makes sense. Like, and I well, think I mean, we have... We have like the mono black and mono white decks, right? So there's there are non blue mid range decks. They they happen to be mono colored. Uh, there isn't like a Jun deck, but I think that's more a byproduct of like mana sucking so much in the format that if you actually want to play a three color mid range deck, you basically need Uro to keep your mana for, base from killing you. Yep. Which I think is fine. Like you know you don't have to have Jund as the default mid range deck in every format where. Uh, Thoughtseize exists, uh, or like Abzan or whatever. You can just have, you know, you can just have the bug deck. Like, let bug be playable for it's like three weeks out of every six years, you know? Right. I mean, I, my issue with, like I said, I've, I've actually moved away from the inverter deck. I just don't like inverter existing because it oppresses certain archetypes. But I don't actually mind that deck. Where I do mind the Lotus Breach deck because it's Tron and a combo deck and they had a baby and it's really hard to fight it and you can't kill their lands and I don't understand that <laughs> like yeah I, I don't get it at all it was interesting watching that deck play out because games either ended up being like the opponent utterly shredded that deck and brutalized it or the deck just like ignored what the opponent was doing um like against Austin Bercevich Huey Jensen just like tutored for um, temporal distortion or whatever it's called the the mind twist the uncounterable mind twist yeah which that song or that card is um, absurd I, I get that it's like a six mana card and the payoff is supposed to be good or whatever but mono black uncounterable card that just like destroys the opponent's hand like that seems a little it's like it's like a, it's one of those things that you can't complain about because it's like realistically on rate like if you're in black and if you're playing a deck that can utilize black and for some reason your opponent has a hand at six mana you could make a real argument that like yeah mind twist should be uncounterable but it's still just like kind of messed up to watch games just like go that way yeah thought thought is most is what the name of the card is i, I think i I, th I think I object less from a like a theoretical standpoint and more of just like as the it makes for non-interesting uh, viewer experience is I think where I'm more like annoyed by the card. My, my issue with it is is it it exiles all the cards. It not only just discards them, but it exiles them. So like if you and it exiles all the cards in the graveyard, right? Uh, probably. I I know it exiles the cards. Um, yeah, 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 in the graveyard. It, it just, it just so like if you pick up a dig through time, you don't even get like the ability to get back in the game, <laughs> like you know, because it's made for the control decks, right? Like that card's basically stapled. I hate control, mm -hmm. and so like normally the control decks can pick up a dig through time, and if they've been shred, that's fine. We can grab some cards and get back in it, and but no, this card says no. You don't get no cards, and your dig through time will not be discounts. <laughs> So, that's just, it's a messed up card. And then, you know, going to get yeah. Ugin. Going to get Ugin, cast Ugin, just like a Tron player. 
It's just like it was so watching watching Tron games happen with like all these lotuses that are hexproof on the battlefield. Well, you know, you see a blue white control player or someone have field of runes, and they they only have field of runes because they have to have something for each other. Because Castle Ar- Castle Ardenvale is like insane. So, which one's Ardenvale? It's the Sky Castle, or nope, nope, the pump out, pump out creatures castle. Oh, just say Keldoran outpost like a real man. Yeah, well, I, you know, everybody's calling it White Castle, because ha, that's funny. No, yeah. Magic players, Magic players come up with the dumbest forced memes, and then everyone pretends like they aren't stupid as fuck. And uh, no, nope, just a stupid as fuck meme. Stop trying to force it. It's hard for me to use the original name of the castle because I almost think if the card's better, then you should call it by the new card name because <laughs> it's actually better. <laughs> so it's like, it's hard for me because yeah, like, normally but it's we're, like... Yeah, but we're old and washed. So, you know, we're we're calling them by the old name, you know? <laughs> But yeah, the, the new castle, because the, the new castle's like taking over like all the formats. The control decks are all playing it because they've just like realized that they've got their win con and their basic planes and basic planes sucks anyway. So, you know, you can just run this new basic planes that actually does something. They aren't actually fetchable, right? That's only the uh, uncommon cycle, right? Correct. They're not, they're not fetchable. That's the... That's their one downside. You can't fetch them. But they're better than planes most of the time. In Pioneer, you're playing you're playing um, uh, Hollowed Fountains, and then you're playing the Cycle Land. So you have, like, a lot of planes accidentally. Yeah, because mana bases suck and, you know, just got to make do with what you got. Right. But, yeah. I, I don't know. I... Uh, Overall, I enjoyed catching Pioneer. Um, if they keep up with this whole trend, I'm I'm definitely living for it. I, like I said last week, I like to be able to just like wake up at any point in the day and uh, turn on Twitch, and there'd be some uh, some sort of magic playing, whether it was like the Japanese uh, PT or the European one. Like it was nice. Um, just like the true 24 cycle coverage of magic, uh, you know. Yeah. I just like, it was really kind of weird. I really enjoyed that stuff. Uh, I, I tuned into the star city event. I watched some of that. It was good. But then again, I was tired of seeing Harlan fear. Like I like your Harlan. But I don't need to see that much. Zach Allen. I like his Zach. I don't need to see that much. Uh, just like several people we had to watch over and over again and i was just like oh daryl daryl Ayers, i love daryl love him don't need to see him that much can only watch titan and other things such as that go so many times so yeah every time i turned on the fcg coverage i would like turn it off within 30 seconds because i just didn't care like you said the dynamic of just like having these known players smash random local guys uh, gets really uninteresting because the field just doesn't feel that level. Um, 
and at a certain point, like all of these established teams have like, you know, Daryl Ayers and Edgar, whatever, Edgar and Dilks and a third, sometimes Daryl, sometimes someone else. They're always going to be in this field. They're always going to be better than like 90% of the field. And like they keep top fouring almost every single one. And you look at like team events and like the top four is like four teams of SCG regulars or like half SCG regulars. And it's just like not that interesting for me to watch. Um, you know, so I'm just whatever about it. Yeah, I saw a lot of Amulet Titan. That was my... So, like, anytime they turned Modern on, it was Amulet Titan. Like, I think Harlan played the Demir Wurza, and, but I think he still lost. This team carried him. I could be wrong on that, but I think that was the, like, the fi- at least the finals. And it was just, like, the, the Amulet Titan deck is just, like, some of them don't even have amulets in them. And they're still just doing their thing, like. Yeah, the general Prime Titan strategies uh, seem very powerful, and. Being able to play Valakut as a payoff card without having to, like, you know, play red um, is pretty sweet because you get to play, like, good colors and good cards instead of... Um, well, they dropped white. S- sweltering suns. Yeah, they dropped white. They dropped Boros Garrison for um, the battlements. Handwear battlements, yeah, yeah. Because it was, like, the only reason to have white was Boros Garrison Slayer Stronghold. And now, what, the deck is just straight, like, blue-green splash uh black right. for dismember like it's just splashing like phyrexian mana and stuff mm-hmm. yeah yeah and the deck looks hot i mean it looks hot it looks very it looks very much a modern deck while the rest of the modern decks look not like modern decks so like that's i think that's the issue right now like we've been chopping modern trees down like crazy <laughs> and the decks that rise up like the rest of the decks aren't catching up as fast, you know? So, you know, that could be players putting energy into, well, you took down the best deck with Urza and you took down any kind of hope for affinity with Mox Opal. So let's look at the battlefield and check things out. Well, we have Infect. Yeah, it still doesn't feel great. And we have Primetime deck. Wow, that looks like, that looks like butter. Like, <laughs> I'm going to kill my opponents quickly. We're going to go with that deck. So... Yeah, I mean, it's a resilient combo deck that also just has, like, an absurdly explosive start in some games. So, why wouldn't you just capitalize on that? Also, I hear Wizards has been printing busted blue-green cards for the last year. I don't know. Maybe that's that, maybe that's false. It's a rumor I heard. Uh, seems like real news, not fake news. I mean, Cavern on Titan now just doesn't hit one creature in that deck, which is hysterical. <laughs> are they actually playing Euro? Yeah. Yeah, some of them are playing Euro. I don't think Dilks and Company, so it's not stock, but <laughs> some of them are playing Titan, the new Titan. Because it's, I mean, it's a busted card. It makes sense in, like, the just straight ramp lists, but... um. It makes less sense to me in Titan because it's like not a focus card and it's it's a worse effect on three than Azusa or the Dryad. Which is I think, you know, those are the slots it's fighting for. I think it's the fight versus burn, because burn has become such a prevalent deck now. Because like the format Yeah. 
get it gaining like whatever two or three life every couple turns for fun is and a six six I hear can block really well. <laughs> so like it's I, just I guess it's nice because you can like arguably like summoners packed for it and cast it on turn three and then have mana for turn four or whatever. Yeah, I mean I watched but that realistically was against Burn you need like faster hands than that. That was one of the losses Daryl took was against the prowess deck. Because I think it wasn't just Burn, it was the prowess version of Burn. So, you know, he got beat. But but then again, like their deck, you know, they've only got Radiant Fountains in typical, in the typical version. And I don't, I don't remember, I mean, was it Jerry T? He played without amulets. So the, some of the, he was on camera and someone else, there was amulet last versions with the Titans. And the Titan looks cool. I don't know if it's good or not. I know it dodges yeah, decay. It's, it's just it's, like Bug Field of the Dead with Titan in it. That's basically what the deck is. It's just the Field of Dead ramp deck from Pioneer with modern level power or modern power level cards. Did you check out MKM? Since we had all these tournaments, did you look at the MKM at all? Not really. Every time I turn on a coverage and like it looks like it was recorded in someone's basement in, you know, the early 2000s. Like, if I get flashbacks to uh, when Rashad Miller was doing coverage, her commentary, GTS Live. I turn GTS. it off. GTS yeah. Live? <laughs> I think yeah, when it was, was like, basement quality, you know, there was, like, 17 people in the booth. They were sliding in, sliding out, you know? I... Oh. I realize that we are in 2020 and I don't have to watch poverty coverage. What? (laughs) Those comments got real poor. Gosh. I'm. um, I I enjoyed it, but I I didn't enjoy some of their. Some of the matches, the players were less than capable, and it kind of annoyed me that they were on camera like i think that sure. was my so answer. so the real answer uh in a way that's like not gonna get me twitter canceled but who cares if i do i guess i don't know um <laughs> is that when i watch these tournaments i get really nitpicky about dumb things uh and it's always just like the petty dumb stuff so it's like uh the pace of play at these things is always like slower and my ADD brain just like starts freaking out. Um, I also, I'm also really weird about player dexterity. So like my buddy Frank watching him play magic gives me an aneurysm because he's like no dexterity. (laughs) It's just like the, I know it's the dumbest like anal retentive gripe ever, but like watching random people like, do just manage cards is just like not something I can do. Um, pace of play was really so that was my issue. Was like, so I love their coverage as far as the presenting legacy. I get an opportunity to see legacy. I don't even mind the casters, but the uh, pace, I do. The pace I do. was ter- their pace was terrible. There the was casters, a- the casters aren't like bad, right? But the you can tell they they don't have like legacy casters they just have like 
or like you can you can tell the guys like kind of follow legacy but don't so like when they're commenting on things it's just like somewhat in the know um but also again even like the commentators talk at like a a nice relaxed pace like everything is just slower paced and i need that good old american like anxiety filled just <laughs> aggression commentary you know <laughs> like yeah. no dead space I, yeah, I need that Riley Knight. And actually, Riley gets a little bit too much with his like never easing off the mic thing. But like, you get my point. It's like I need something that is a bit more stimulating than what uh, is presented. And it's like not a knock at the product. Like, I think it's a good product. It's I'm. It's just not for me. Um, the, this week the guys were pretty. They were actually really good. They were actually better than the players they were watching most of the time, which I think was like get was like making it kind of like it pointed it out more, you know, like, oh, he should have done this because if they would have done this, he would have had to like skip past a turn again and die. Like, and they did like he just it just happened to him. He should know better and have done this. And like he, you know, like certain things he like complicated stuff with the breach deck. Like they, they he, one of the guys was really on the ball. One of the, the other guy was like, he was he was fine, but he was also being like the personality, so it wasn't really important whether he knew his technical stuff. But the players, the players were playing like abysmally slow. <laughs> not not making the players seem dumb is a skill in commentary, because like it's very hard for the brain to just objectively filter information out. So like you may be looking. I think I talked about this last week on when I was saying how GP coverage like finesses people into thinking that they can become a pro and it helps sells the dream. Um, how like when you're watching these sort of coverage th- things, your brain naturally um, is unable to filter out uh, like all of the extra information you get. So like when you're doing commentary, you're you're saying things. And you're trying to pretend like these are the plays that I would make given the information that X player knows. But in reality, like these are the plays that you would make given the perfect information you have. And uh, when you're doing commentary, it's very easy to just be like, well, this guy should obviously like wasteland his opponent's fetch land and then like lightning bolt in response so that when that guy like dazes he can like fluster storm and blah 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 like it's very easy to like see these convoluted lines or see lines that you logically wouldn't see or like may not take uh without this additional information and uh i i don't know you, you just got to not make the players look dumb because I, well, it's like, it's like very easy for someone to make a play that's reasonable at face value from the information they know and have a like outside observer just go, well, why didn't he do this? And then like, then that person just looks stupid. And it's like, well, that's, that's not how the game works. You're talking about like bit. Cedric versus Patrick. Like that's Cedric versus Patrick. Cause Cedric will go, well, we don't really have all the information. And Patrick will be like, 
oh, no this one's, is objectively stupid and blah, yeah, blah, blah. Right. Like, you know, and it's like, I, I get that. Like, what the guy, the couple of mistakes that I was talking about, like, the guy was like, you, you got caught by this play the turn before. Like, well, you, you could have played around it and you didn't, and that's fine. But now you've seen it, you should play around it. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, for sure. It's like, I think also with Legacy as a format, it is very easy to, um, if you are experienced playing the format and you watch someone play, I think it's very easy to look at, um, It's very easy to look at, uh, what is it? Ah, I'm blanking out here. It's very easy to look at a situation and go, well, they should obviously do this play, right? Like, I, I remember watching uh, Star City, and there were, like, multiple points where a player could have made the um, Wasteland your land to convert, like, a Spell Pierce, Wasteland your fetch land to force your opponent to fetch, and then you, like, Spell Pierce or Daze in response to their oh, fetch. Wasteland Carl. Right? No, no, I'm not talking about Wasteland Carl. I'm talking okay. about someone else. Um, that was a GP. I'm talking. Wasteland Carl was literally just a guy not using Wasteland to, like, mana screw his Miracles opponent who was struggling on mana. Um, this was just a situation where it's like, here's this play that I do fairly frequently, like, or it's constantly on my radar, but it's like not necessarily a play that everyone sees. So, like, for me, it was frustrating to watch because I was like, yes, you very obviously make, you know, this play of do this. And then it's, like, really easy to forget, like, yeah, not everyone is sitting here, like, playing enough legacy to think about, like, weird priority points where you can um, do things to, like, priority gate your opponent into favorable positions for yourself. So, like, as a commentator, it's very easy, especially with Legacy, to get frustrated and be in a position where you want to criticize a player's uh, line or whatever. And you just, like, shouldn't. I could see that. Like I, like I said, it was I understood where they were coming from. I just, for me, the biggest hang-up for the... And KM series with this weekend was watching the pace of play. Like the pace of play was abysmal. There was like a miracles versus goblins, and it took. They had like less than twenty minutes left going into game two, like before sideboarding and everything. There was less than twenty minutes left, and I was just like, "How did this happen?" You know, <laughs> like <laughs> there was there was choices that were made that were not made. So, like in fact, I sent you a picture from it. Because it was funny to me that there was a main deck, um, Veil of Summer or something. Veil of Summer that converted. They cast uh, Munitions Expert, which deals damage to player or planeswalker equal to the number of goblins you have. And mm. they targeted Oko, and then the guy was like, Veil of Summer, <laughs> and this goblins player just couldn't have looked more defeated in life. <laughs> so, you know, and that and and when that play happened. It was 19 minutes and 22 seconds left, and they were still in game one. Like, if you look in the picture, you can see 19-22. So, like, and, you know, it's just like, why why is this going on? Why is this game still, why haven't we moved faster? You know, they're, 
They never changed their pace of play. They sat there and thought a lot. So. So I, there it is. This reminded me of a a post that um, Jean-Emmanuel Depraz, I think it's his name, J.E. Depraz. He's an MPL member posted. And I typed in the wrong thing and I accidentally stumbled across French uh, fetish Twitter. So um, that's a thing that just happened in my life. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) But he um, was talking about the MKM in Paris and he played the limited and standard tournaments. And he won both of them. And, you know, that isn't what he was commenting on. He was talking about how these tournaments and create invites for the pro tour and um he was in a situation where because of his like mpl contract he couldn't concede uh in the finals to like give the other person the invite because the invite didn't roll down so like he won the tournament and the invites basically evaporated um but he couldn't like throw the match or whatever right it put him in a position where he just like had to play the match out and it was it was what it was um and he like presents some thoughts on like the current rules as they stand um you know like allowing pros to concede he says he likes the no concession rule seems fine to me uh there's a part on forbidding people from playing events to qualify for the pt if they're already attending which he finds for us wasn't really happy about as like a concept because like not it would be like not being able to play a star city open because you're qualified for the pro tour right it's just like dumb to gate people out of these tournaments uh instead of just rolling the invite down to the next person and then he goes on a bigger portion about exactly that like he thinks that you know, if somebody's qualified, the invites, or if people are qualified, the invites should just roll down to the next person who isn't. And uh, I, I think I agree, or I definitely agree. Do you have any feelings on it, or did you see that post? I did see the post. Um, I didn't realize that that's not how it worked. I will honestly say, um, because I thought like the old natural conclusion was it would go to the next person because I think like it used to be something like that. Like, the idea that it just evaporates is kind of insane to me. And then they're not allowed to concede. So, like, it's almost like Wizards is, like, afraid to give these things out. Yeah, I think it's a newer rule. So, is that so they can decide who they want to be, like, the invite people? That they, they, you know, the special invites they send out? Does that give them more special invites? (laughs) Uh, Well, this is, this qualifies for, like, the regional players tour thing i think not the the mythic whatever's that i can't are, keep up. i can't keep up with all of it man i'm not gonna lie <laughs> I, yeah, was I, to, I was I listening to arena deck list and they couldn't keep up and they're way more engaged with it than me so at this point like the arena tournaments i just like look at them like i didn't really care that much about those tournaments and then i found out how much of a like an absurd multiplier they give people in terms of pro points and now i'm kind of like wary about the concept of having special invites to those events specifically because of how big of an edge they give people um because like 
if you get a special invite to that and you're able to like leverage that into like consistent invites to things you basically get to like free roll your way into mpl or like mpl contention or rivals based on you know that as a thing which um definitely like is not the best thing for an objective system i get there's issues with uh doing a solely merit-based system uh and i don't think watsi has put themselves in a good position to really be able to address these concerns right like it's hard to have a competitive um scene that has any sense of competitive integrity uh, and still have special invites, but you're also alienating a large portion of your player base if you don't acknowledge that some people are less fortunate. But that's like a whole other conversation that would I don't think we necessarily need to dive into right now. But no, I mean I I agree with like so I think the MPL members should still go to those tournaments because when you go to those tournaments and see those bigger players, they kind of like makes you want to do it like that's one it of the reasons why you're the there. allure that's why people so, go to gps right right or at but, least for I, a long time and i GPs. and i want i like the no concession rule for the simple fact that if they choose who to concede to based on what they want to do like they're like well i don't like this player so i'm not going to concede to him but this is my buddy i'm not concede to them that will create that would create another kind of nightmare so i'm okay with a no concession but i don't understand why you just can't do it like the old rules like if you're already in then your invite goes to the next person in line that's why so, there's first to 100 like <laughs> it's reminiscent of the old uh, ptqs where one person would win and you'd end up in situations where like you'd have um like some guy who was like a silver level pro or like a gold level pro and they would play a ptq basically just for a, a plane ticket right like and you had a lot of feel bad moments resulting from that where people uh would you know get crushed out of their pro tour invite because some dude didn't want to pay um yeah i i think the invites should just roll down it's yeah i mean uh, that, that's what i think like you let the mpl member take the the cash prize or whatever because they won like but just have the invite roll down because the invite like, it shouldn't hurt you. You you planned on giving that invite out anyways. Like, that was already built into your prize structure for the format and your budget you set up. You said, I'm going to give this to someone. And now you're like, oh, not going to give it to someone. Just got to stick it in my back pocket for later. Like, that's crazy. You know, are you giving everybody five bucks back on their entry fee? Yeah, I doubt it. Right. Definitely a flood system. Something needs to be done. Um, but yeah, other than that, I don't even know what won the MKM. Usually I'm more privy to these things. In fact, I think, I think it was Infect versus oh, nice. Grixis. Infect versus Grixis Dover in the end, and somehow Infect won. Well, like, I'm sorry. In, uh, Oko. <laughs> they have Oko now. Yeah. 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 That matchup was like, I won't say a buy because I, I hate calling matchups buys. It always feels unnecessarily arrogant to me. Um, but that matchup was very, uh, favorable for Delver if 
played correctly, you know? Well, especially the Grixis uh, later, right? Yeah, it was like being able to just kind of grind them into the dirt was a very not hard thing to do, I want to say. So. Yeah, it was uh, it was Infect, and they had Okos, and they had Teferi in the sideboard, and yeah. <laughs> they had they had all the wonderful 2019 cards so and, I, and I'm pretty sure it was Grixis um, it was Grixis Delver that was the other side of the coin so you know but the, but like there was some weird uh, I think like the first round of coverage was like round three because they skipped the first two rounds and there was a walls deck on camera I was like, this is a joke, right? <laughs> For real. Legacy walls on camera. He died, by the way. I know you're shocked. Um, yeah, I can barely contain my surprise. Um, I, you know, walls block, um... Nothing. Was this they like block. an assault formation deck? High alert! Something. High alert! The new enchantment that gives that gives walls a power. <laughs> it it was great because the Delvers flew over, the Brazen Borrowers flew over, everything flew over. <laughs> was... I I understand building fun decks and all that. Like those things are fun to play, but I don't understand the logic behind incinerating however much money as. Uh, an entry fee. I, I, for me, it was I built an opposition deck without opposition, and instead I went with this bad enchantment called High Alert and a big well, dragon because <laughs> it was well, like the it was the same deck. Sure. So there's like five dollar F and M. I'm just gonna play this dumb deck. I'm gonna go two two maybe. I'm mostly here to just like have fun with the squad. And then there's, like, paying entry for a tournament that has, like, Pro Tour implications and probably has, like, something like 40 USD or more um, to enter it or, like, an entry fee. Like, I don't I don't get it. Like... I mean, he had foils. He had foils. <laughs> he, he chose these things. That the Arcades was a foil. I think the Wall of uh, Blossoms were foil. The High Alerts were foil. I was like going, "This is someone who's dedicated themselves to walling somebody," and it was it was I don't, amazing. <laughs> I I don't get it. No, like, but like like I I understand like the the Timmy mentality of like this is my thing and I want to win with it. But there's like has to be a point where like your brain just logically goes like, "Hey, this is this is not the thing I should be doing in this environment." Like, I'm not saying play a spike deck, like play something Timmyish or whatever, but like maybe something that can actually have a a fifty fifty record at you know maybe something like that. I mean, for me, it was just like it was for, for real an opposition deck without opposition. Like right now, there's so many green creature combat uh, combo decks that are like playable right now because blue greens received so many cards. So like Alaran, Food Chain, they're getting like free passes right now because like you know they're secretly just an Oko deck. 
You know, you're you're an ochre deck yeah. that plays ponder, brainstorm, force wills, and then some filler <laughs> to bridge the gap. <laughs> so you know, you get some ice fang coatles with your ochos, and then you get you know force wills and stuff. The rest of it doesn't really matter. It's all filler, you know. So like, if you want to play something like that, you've got some choices right now. <laughs> yeah, I found out on one of the streams. That you don't even have to play Parasitic Strix anymore. You can play the stupid cat from Cat Oven in um, Alarum. So you know, you know how it used to be that Cauldron Familiar. Yeah, you can play that with uh, Cavern Harpy instead of the the Blue Bird because it picks it up and does everything the same way. Yeah, you you just deal damage. You don't gain a additional life per cycle. Sure, um, well, you still gain life, right? Because because familiar gains a life. Yeah, but so like parasitic tricks is like a tendrils of agony, and this is just like a one point drain life. So parasitic tricks like um, you say you didn't have a lurin and you were just paying mana. You could use it to like pad your life total and swing a race that way, whereas oh, yeah, Cauldron yeah. Familiar doesn't. But I guess there is now. Bit, what's the benefit of playing Cauldron Familiar over Pair Six Rex mana cost solely? Well, not Red Blast. Not Red Blast, right? Sure, but like you're playing Aluren, like your deck is already like Red Blast is already pretty strong against your deck, so you probably just want to overload that card. Well, the the biggest. So for real, the biggest thing is if you have Oko and your familiar had to go to the graveyard, you can sack your food token to bring it back. Oh, the sack of food token. Okay, so there's the Oko synergy. I was trying to think of see another synergy. Like the Strix can at least pitch to Force of Will and all of that, right? Like it has flying. It's like a okay body you can just play in the sky, dorky or whatever. But Cauldron Familiar being being able to just like. <coughs> let a cauldron familiar hit the bin and not having to protect your one of uh does seem like a nice upside yeah i mean if they like you know if they hit if it gets hit by discard early on and just be able to get it back like there's a lot of i'm I'm really surprised i was like how did i not realize that the stupid cat does this too like <laughs> i was just like i was kind of annoyed right like how did i not know that you know like because i play alarm so much for fun i'm just like but i don't I don't travel in the message groups, so I I don't think anyone in the message groups mentioned uh, <laughs> mentioned Cauldron Familiar for Aloran, to be honest. But like that was cool. Like I said, you got food chain. You've got lots of choices. I think Legacy is really kind of wide open as long as you're playing Oko and our breach and <laughs> it's like you're playing Oko or breach yeah so what's funny is like i tried to watch legacy streams like and everybody was playing breach and that deck isn't really an enjoyable viewing experience because it kind of just does nothing and then it becomes like clicking simulator 2020 um it's not better in and, paper either i'm gonna tell you right i've watched like, like i've watched it in paper several times it's the same thing yeah like uh I went to Twitch and like Honorug, Rich Shea, and someone else. 
uh, Arkin maybe they were all streaming the Reach deck, and I was just like, oh, I guess I'm not watching Legacy streams because, you know, <laughs> which you know, take it as you will. I don't, I don't think that's like a comment on whether or not the deck should stay legal. Uh, people seem to be enjoying Anurag playing not mopey control decks. Um, which, you know, I'm glad he's branching out. you got to diversify your portfolios, you know, growing as a player. That's, it's a beautiful thing. It's also the most bust- busted, consistent deck right now. So it's actually kind of enjoyable to watch him play it because of that. Like, it, I think it's by far the most powerful thing you can be doing. Because, you know, it's kind of like Storm, except for you can go off probably a turn faster. And there's less hate for you, so... That's kind of silly, right? Like, to have all of that in the same package. Because Storm can't play Force of Will. But you can. You know? And and the turn... I guess it's more like a show-and-sell deck with a turn faster. Uh, Yeah, I I look at the deck more as just, like, show-and-tell for people who want to feel like they have big brains. Yeah. I mean, and I... I don't want to be mean like that, but it, it's very true. Like, it's very... Well, it's just that isn't necessarily meant as, like, an insult, but it is a deck that's taking an A plus B combo and adding C and D, uh, and... Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I like the deck. Um, I wish I had a little bit higher fail rate, which is why I like Storm. Um, I, I'm never usually worried about Storm because Storm has an, an actual fail rate. And... I don't think the breach deck has a fail rate. You know, if you get your two things together, I think it's, I think it actually has less a fail rate than show and tell because you can put show and tell and Emrakul and not win. But if the breach deck goes breach plus brain freeze or stupid artifact, you lose the game. The game's over. Right. Yeah. Like, I don't, I, I really don't know. Every time I watch someone play that deck, I can feel my eyes, slowly sliding back until I'm staring into the back of my skull. Um, because, like, watching the deck is literally just, like, some cantrips, non-interactive, non-interactive. It's, like, not even... It's not even interesting, like, watching a good ant player, like a test player, they're, like, timing their discard and they're finding their their lines and everything, and it's like, okay, I'm looking for these these pieces, and it's, like, this grandiose puzzle that's being solved, and there's something really enjoyable there to watch. But then, like, when you watch the Breach deck, it's just like, all right, you have a bit, you have fast mana, and you have Breach. Fine brain freeze. It's like, you know, like, at least with show and tell, there's, like, the meme value. It's just like, oh, yeah, turn two show and tell. It's the hardest part of the deck. Draw 14 with my Grizzle brand. Slap him in the face with your dick. You know, there's that aspect where it's, like, really entertaining uh just to watch people get memed on and then salt off that they lost to show and tell and it's like well, well and sometimes know, they lose a lot of... sometimes they still right. can lose like there is a fail rate where the breach deck doesn't when their two pieces go off if you don't have like a rest in peace or dampening spear something that makes them so they can't cast multiple spells if if they are like unhindered and say this plus this, I win. <laughs> like it's not like you can't not 
you can, like people are like, well, you can have a really bad brain freeze. And I'm like, can you? Because it doesn't exile the original spell. So you can just always brain freeze again. Like, <laughs> there's no, there's no, you can have a bad brain freeze. It's just not possible. So it's, I, I personally, I don't know. I, I, I hate the deck. So, and I think that's why I'm not playing Legacy as much anymore because uh, the deck exists. I don't want to build my hate around it. Um, and I really don't want to play against it. So I'm just really glad they don't have Cavern on Enchantment yet. I've always wanted a Cavern on Enchantment and now I'm like, no, I was wrong. I don't Wait. want Cavern on Enchantment. Why aren't these decks playing the Heliod's uh, enchantment thing? The the, the white ha- the Hall of Hel- Hel- Heliod's generosity, the Academy runes. Uh, Steve, we're old and washed. We have to use the oldest name possible, like real niggas. Uh, Academy runes. This is Volrath stronghold for enchantments. I'm not a zookeeper. Why are you talking about Sam Rukas? <laughs> I'm not a zookeeper. <laughs> I, I don't understand why Sam Rukas has become part of this conversation. We're talking... But yet, no, like, so... So one thing with that deck is... um, I thought about, like, how Thought Scour effects uh, could potentially be nutso, but, like, the issue is being able to get back your enchantment thing and, like... Having access to that enchantment land could be cool, or like it, it enables like the YOLO brain freeze yourself because, like, it functionally gives you like five copies more than five copies or whatever of a breach. Because once you find the land, you can just like brain freeze yourself and then set up the, the buyback. I think they don't have enough mana from what I've watched it play. True. They don't have the mana. And you have to find the land. So, like, I think between having to find the land... Like, I think that's why they just play the E-Tutors. They just play the E-Tutors for their extra copies. I, and I forgot that E-Tutor was in the deck slash illegal card that's in Legacy. Because it's rarely actually playable. Um, <laughs> it's, what? It's, it's true. Oh, I know. I've played... I love that card. But... It's now I don't. rarely playable. It's like... Now it's playable, but before it was not really playable. That is how magic works, you know? New information is presented, and you gotta reconfigure your deck building based on uh, new information that's given. And that new information that's been given happens to be... um, Happens to be that, you know... Lane tutors playable again because enchantments matter. Um, on the on the fairest side of fair, Philip uh, Phil Thraben. I don't know what his real name is. Phil Gallagher. Sh- F- F- Gallagher, yeah. Okay, sorry. He he played he played Enchantress in five ode, and he posted links. You can check it out. I don't know. Um, but I... he had like a bunch of the two drop two three uncommon. It says creatures that are enchantments and enchantments you control are encounterable and it can turn lands into giant creatures based on the number of enchantments you have in play. So like he played like some aggro enchantress deck. I want to watch it just to see people like kind of go, oh, he's like Utopia Sprawl. And they're like, oh, this is easy. And then he just starts like busting out these giant lands, smacking them. Kind of want to see it. Then I kind of don't. 
hasn't Enchantress's biggest issue always been like the present of Ant and Tess as the premier combo decks within the format and not necessarily a matter of the fair decks because like most fair deck players don't really have an idea of how to play uh don't really have an idea of how to play against Enchantress or like they think they do but like Enchantress is like realistically just favored against these decks but now you the the premier combo deck is one where rest in peace is really good against it um so now the and and the combo deck doesn't have like the the potential to just like get turned two isn't super duper common so just like having a thing that goes like all right put 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 my thing that makes my enchantments uncounterable and then follow it up with rest in peace like this is my game plan now and then sterling grove and then the breach deck dies like you know enchantress doesn't seem unplayable to me right now yeah, I mean it's so yeah, it just it can't you can't beat Storm. You really probably can't beat Reanimator, because um, all your 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 graveyard hates it too. You don't play the free graveyard hate, and you're just really slow. So, but we're just but, gonna make like Watsy and pretend that Black doesn't exist. Right, exactly. Wait, wait. <laughs> you're not talking about the color vibe. I'm not talking about the color vi. I am not. <laughs> but. <laughs> um, no, but no, but seriously, it's just like before if you were an enchantress player, you were just like, well, I'm going to pretend that black decks don't exist. Uh, I would look at you and uh, try and figure out how smooth your brain was. And now you can realistically do that because the black deck of the format is what uh, Grixis Delver. I would have said Tess. Tess. Actually, sure, that Tess deck has four thoughts. It doesn't play black. It doesn't even play black. It can't be Tess. They play um, Veil of Summers. They don't. They drop black. They play Thoughtseize. They, they, they play Thoughtseize, no. right? No, Bryant. First, Bryant dropped Thoughtseize a while ago. He may have brought him back. He dropped him a while ago. He's playing four. He's playing Wishclaw Talisman. That was his black cards. And, you know, Rituals. But he dropped Thoughtseize. No, they were playing four Thoughtseize for Lions, or for Veil of Summer. Did they deadass cut Thoughtseize? Oh, yeah, a while ago. Who's... Okay, Bryant Cook deadass just cut Thoughtseize. Just Defense (laughs) Grid and Veil of Summer. Yep. That has to be indicative of something being wrong, right? Oh yeah. Well, that's just the race. I, I, it was the race. Right? Yeah. Because Veil of I'm Summer was not... so prevalent. Can't can't get veiled if you kill in pot season. <laughs> I am not a fan of uh, the format being in a position where all the combo decks are uh, expected to go fast. Which, speaking of which, we talked about the mana issues that the breach deck has, and um, I think that. Uh, there has to be a list that runs Rite of Flame, right? There has to be some way to fit some Rite of Flames in that deck. Like, every time I look at that deck, like, when I watch Onorog stream, he's always just, like, one mana off or something. And I'm just like, you know what's really cool? Rite of Flame into Underworld Breach, and that that's enough. That's really just all you need to do. Like, tap one mana, produce two mana, and then put your two drop in play. Yeah, also, it, would be, it would be very cool. But I don't like the whole idea of um, the right of flames. It's just a. It's just a. Startup. It's a. 
Yeah, it's a space issue, and uh, you're adding, you know, part F or whatever to your A plus B combo. Yeah. So. I mean, I don't know. I, From what I've seen, the decks are doing really good. Um, the really good pilots are crushing with it. Even the pilots that aren't as good are, are doing very well with it. So I'm like, eh, I think it's actually probably really good. Um, so. Oh, there's no doubt that it's really good. I mean, the deck just murders you from the lowest base possible. Um, it top decks. That's it catches you sleep, slipping. That for me, that's what it, it top decks. Like you can take their cards from their hand. Like you're talking about playing black, right? Like you can be thought seizing them. You can be doing all this stuff, and then all of a sudden they're just like cast orms chant, and you're just like, yeah, yeah, it's an orms chant. I remember huh. Chris Anderson stating that if silence is a good card in your format, that's probably indicative that something's wrong in your format. Yeah, I could definitely. And, uh, like, that's, I definitely, like, can get behind that statement, right? Well, like, I mean, when, you, like, it. if you look at silence, like, if you look at silence versus thought sees, it's like, you're, silence is saying, like, I don't necessarily care what, your deck is doing most of the time. I just care that you can't do it to me on this one turn or um, when I'm trying to go off, whereas Thoughtseize is like, your deck is definitely doing things that I care about and uh, I would like that very much to not happen. So I'm I'm going to slow you down. Instead of just, like, going, hope they don't play anything good so I can just, like, one man at a time walk them or something. Well, so, like, I'm looking at the, I'm looking at a list by... Uh, you probably know him because you know the Moto guys. This is Aaron Gomo. Um, nope. Okay, so they, they run the challenge. I don't know what they They finish. must not have enough influence. No, Put them tish. No, no cred. <laughs> So just got, firing off all the references today to meme on people for the culture. But yeah, they got two pact uh, of negation, two force of negation, is, four force of wills. Two, what deck is this? Bre- breach. <laughs> so eight, eight free forces, four enlightened tutors. Um, and then two orms chants. And then the rest of the package is standard. Like it's just a standard package. Good luck. <laughs> Dare you to try I to do kill like, me. I, I still think Pact of Negation is really smart. And oh, um, yeah. people who play it have very wrinkly brains. Um, having a Force of Will you can cast from your graveyard on your turn that you go off is really good against like Everything. cards like Surgical Extraction and stuff. And if you hear sound in the background, that's my cat sniffing around. Small, uh, but... Uh, Looking for that breach. Also, our boy Zookeeper, you said Sam. He he did well in the challenge. I don't know what he placed in the end, but he was playing four color miracles with a Euro Titan of Nature's Wrath. <laughs> yeah, uh, Daniel Gosha was talking about uh, trying a Euro list. Strifo was playing the one Euro, and now it seems like everybody's just tossing the Euro in. Uh, so like my concern was that like it's a weirdly man intensive effect and it's like red blastable and flashing back is awkward and it being legendary is actually a downside but um, apparently that just doesn't matter 
<laughs> and just this card, it prime time. Uh, what is it? It's prime time bastardized with something else. I can't remember what my tweet was forever ago. Exploration. Or explore. No. Explore. <sighs> Primetime and something had a kid. Time walk. Time walk? No, 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 no. Draw Hogak. card playland? Hogak. It's just Hogak Primetime. Oh, that's right. Hogak, yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which, like, it makes sense. Like, Miracles as a deck has an issue with, like, randomly flooding. Could use a nice, repeatable card draw engine. This thing attacks. It beats the shit out of Delver. Its front end is like something that not a lot of decks can really afford to counter. Um, it, I think it seems better at face value in decks that have like a a discard outlet like Strifo has DAC, but who, you know, I'm, I'm at this point I'm looking at this deck and I'm just like, why is Terminus and Treat the Angels in here? Like, just go <laughs> all in on blue-green good cards. Like, Add some goifs. Like, why is this deck just not bant good cards with Tarmogoyf? I mean, you three, can... four Tarmogoyf is nature intended. The wholesome Tarmogoyf. The please thought sees me so we can hit for four. Jesus Christ. Daddy needs to hit the gym to get those gains, Tarmogoyf. Or you could just drop them white cards, go all in. Like for real, like get some no. get some thought seizes, get some thought seizes, get some fatal bushes, and play some play. Some oh, cards. you're just talking about bug? Yeah, yeah, sure. I mean, just go like if you're gonna brace it and go, you know, you're gonna go that route and get the Tarmogoyf and stuff. Get them other is, real cards in there. Like, is there a reason to play white in this metagame? No. Outside of like being the combo deck, like, no. Why not just play like bug Snoko? Right, bug. Bug ramp a Snoko, whatever. Like, I don't even see a depth deck until like way at the bottom. It's all combo Delvers reanimator, like whatever. Like I for I forgot that Brazen Borrower existed for like thirty seconds of my life. You were um, worried about how do we beat? I ap- I yeah. I apologize. I will not make that a mistake again. Um, yeah, we just play Bug, right? Just play go out and play Bug. Take take that yeah. sandless and just make it bug. You want to make your goy bigger? You don't have to run those things. They'll, they've got the enchantments and artifacts for you. Just take it out of there. <laughs> you can grow your own goys. Yeah, you just get in there. Like, why why mess around with terminus? Hmm. I I really like, don't. I, I look at the top. Look at the list. Like the Eldrazi decks. Eldrazi it, post. But one's a post. Yeah. So like. Everything else is like you don't need it for Rug Delver. You've got Oko. Like Oko is terminus, but he also can win. So I mean, the whole I don't know. I think Bug probably is you know really good. I don't see a p- point in playing white. Plus Wizards hates white anyway, so Wait a second. Where is this deck list? Oh no. Okay, this this other guy also had Euro in their deck as well. Uh, oh, I was going to say Euro. You know, f- fuck it. Still do it. Euro plus Unearth 
it still sacks, but one mana explores, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Give him the old 2014 Star City Razzle Dazzle, if you know what I mean. I mean, you've got Tarmogoyfs. I don't mind unearthing a Tarmogoyf, man. You're not gonna, you're you're not gonna shame me. Also, the snake, the the Ice Fang Coatl thing, like. Yeah, and I Plague mean, Engineer is still a card in this format. Yeah. Like, oh my god. Bug, bug unearth. You know, seems good. Maybe. Maybe you do splash that Dak Faden, get that punishing fire in there, and um, throw in a little, um, you know, discard into unearth action for the culture. Oh, you're gonna, you know? are you gonna play? You gonna play the Ravens Crime Giant too as a one of? <laughs> really? No. <just> no. <laughs> get that. Going. We gotta fit one drops in. Playing control decks <laughs> in Legacy without one drops definitely against my religion. I don't want him. I'm not saying... I'm sorry, Chase. I'm sorry. I know you get away with it, but I can't emotionally handle it. Yeah. I, I Yeah, definitely. I'm all about this. I'm about... I'm gonna... You almost have made me want to take my, my, my Snowco deck, rip those Tundras out of there that I hate anyways, and try to build this deck. I don't, oh, I don't have a Euro. Are. I don't have a Euro, though. I'll have to solve that issue. I don't have Euro. The fact that you didn't pre-order Euros is probably telling of something. Uh, I thought the card was too good, man. Like, I thought the card was too good, and I just... You just thought it would get banned out the gate? Uh, I mean, I was, I've got so many banned cards, I don't, I don't know, like, you know, it was like, um, John Medina was talking to me, I saw Inverter's foils for like a dollar something, and I was like gonna grab them, and I was just like... I don't see that card lasting, and I I just I'm been looking at this binder that keeps growing of, of cards that aren't legal, and you gotta buy them and flip them. I'm, I'm really bad at that. Like I, I kind of like I'm, I'm kind of a hoarder. Like I'm like you're mine, you're home. <laughs> so <laughs> I I just don't see me doing it, you know. Like, but I mean I don't know. Euro's busted. I should have bought some. I was too busy buying Omen of the Sea and all these other cards. So. Oh, Elspeth. Elspeth, man. The, the the full art statue Elspeth. It's like $10 for the foils. $10. I had for, to give For the showcase one with the, with the stone look. This is... Of, this is... Um, this is the Elspeth oh. that comes back, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah well, I, I bought both the regular foil and the the other one. Don't judge me, but I, <laughs> because because the other one's got to ten dollars, and I was like, ten dollars. Those are amazing. The the Ashioks, the the full art Ashiok with the cool stone. I think the Ashiok statue art is like amazing. So I had to pick one of them up. You know, there's like a million cards I had to pick up. Plus, I like the black red one better because it wasn't blue blast or red blastable. So, I may have picked up some of the black red ones. I thought like you know, Legacy is about ripping cards out of people's hands and you know doing stuff like that. And Explorer effects might not be playable. You know, I'm wrong. <laughs> like, yeah, maybe maybe you miscalculated that one. Well, I mean, you said the same thing. You thought the same thing. Like it's like that. You know, you don't think you got time for that, but. We're, we're dumb, like Tropical Island forever, apparently. <laughs> Tropical Island's the new I'm just waiting for Noble Hierarch. 
<laughs> get that turn two euro on. Oh, you know? rug, rug, uh, or I'm sorry. Yeah, just call it rug. Rug natural order with euro. Mm. Yeah, got your brain thinking about that. Rug natural order. Mm. Oh, Barra played death and taxes in this challenge. He's been playing, uh, no, no rug lately, but I guess he decided to go back to his roots and, uh, establish order I mean, in the galaxy. A, there's a bunch of lightsaber. <laughs> there's a, but I don't understand it. Like I look at this meta game and I'm like, this is not DNT's world. Like, Have you ever understood a D&T player's brain, Steve? No. Like, post-2015. No. Negator, when Negator was on, he was giving me... He was like, you just have no respect for them. And I'm like, no. And I was like, I get it. You play you play the 2020 deck, so you don't... You, 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 you shake in your boots at D&T. But, like, for me, it's just like... I, I mean, would, you're... Your disrespect of DNT is reasonable, considering that like every legacy tournament that's happened in our general area in the last like five years, the majority of the death and taxes players are just people who picked up the deck and then you just body bag them, or they're people who like we know and we just know how they play, so like you still just got to have a high win rate. So you know, it's like much easier to respect DNT when you get paired against like Barra and you get dumpster fucked, you know? Because like that's definitely happened to me. Just straight drop kicked, ran my pockets, you know? Well, um, it comes down to like also <clears throat> when you look at it, like I look at the DNT deck and I'm loving it, but I don't think it's faster than. I don't think I can put up enough taxes in time for half of these decks. Like the Eureka Tell. The Eureka Tell doesn't care about him. Like, you know, that's like a show and tell deck that just laughs. They're like, oh, cool. You know the, you know the sneak and show decks that kind of have an omniscience plan? Yeah, that's all we have. You know, and just a, a bunch of these decks. I'm just like, man. I, I like the Esper Hate Bears. If you're going to play DNT, play the Esper Hate Bears. I still Thanks hate for it, reminding though. me that people play are playing Eureka and it's actually justified. Well, it has Tropical Island. <laughs> like, it's everything's Just... about Tropical Island. <laughs> I I'm, I'm gonna pull his elves I... deck up. Let's see if it's got a trop. I'll die. Oh, oh he ooh, know. my favorite my favorite elves plus trop story is a Brian Koval story. Where he had Cavern of Souls plus Leovold, and his opponent played Jace the Mind Sculptor, and then bounced the Leovold, and Brian drew a card, and then he drew a card for turn, and then he, uh, he he replayed Leovold because did you know Leovold's an elf? So when you go Cavern on elf, Leovold just resolves, and then his Miracles opponent bounced the Leovold, and then um, <clears throat> Brian card. drew another card, and then the, it was his turn again, and he he drew a card for turn and then he uh played like a land or some shit i don't, I don't know he he can you figure out what he did here uh, did he play can, leovold he he played the leovold and um his opponent minus jace and then like brian picked up the leovold and picked up another card and it was like a really emotional moment for his opponent and stuff and then like brian like replayed leovold and then his opponent like played another jace the turn after and like i 
I think he like died inside and realized that. Well, I don't think they he realized that he was supposed to be Jace plussing on himself to find Terminus to actually like answer the labeled, but you know, they died. Died a poor death. Uh died the death that you'd expect uh when you play Jace the Mind Sculptor and it bounces a labeled three turns in a row. Did does Goblin Lackey have the underscore in front of his name? His name on Moto is like Caritas or something. Okay. Goblin good. like the person who is actually Goblin Lackey is not the Goblin Lackey that you're thinking of. Oh good. Because the Goblin Lackey playing elves, I really feel like that's flavor fail. <laughs> like What the fuck? <laughs> this last, like they went three and three. They're all the way at the bottom. It was like it's like elves played by Goblin Lackey. And I'm like, what? And then, because I'm on Goldfish, you pull down, and you see on February 2nd in Denver, a Matt Nass played Elves and at some local tournament. And I'm like, that I could believe Matt Nass would probably play Elves, since he loves to combo and draw cards. And that's about the best combo draw cards deck there is. So. Well, he had a history of playing Elves before, I'm pretty sure. Him and Sam Black, right? I knew... Uh, I don't remember Sam Black. I knew LSV. Played out. I didn't. I, Sam Black remember bombardment. I distinctly remember a, a future match where Sam Black is about to natural order for a progenitus, but he accidentally draws, uh, draws it. So he casts another glimpse and like keeps glimpse chaining until he is able to discard the progenitus to hand size and then glimpse for it or natural order for it the next turn. Um, but uh, I'm looking at. Playing what's quoted as Rugdelver, but there's a Badlands and an Underground Sea in this deck because oh. it has three Abrupt Decays in the main, two Thoughtseize, and two Plague Engineer on the sideboard. And at first, I reeled in disgust because, um, you know, I hate greedy mana. And then I realized that uh, without having to rely on Renin Six you kind of technically make your mana better because you don't have the, like, same restrictions, but... You don't have to yeah, have I don't red, know. red-green on turn, on turn two. Yeah, exactly, but you probably are still fetching, like, Valkdrop, and then... Yeah, I don't I don't know. I don't know how I feel about this. Um, I... I ugh, the bad mana you get from Splashing Black. Like, when your mana doesn't work... You, you really just hate your existence. It's like just a miserable experience. Yeah, I, I, I love that Delver's still doing things. I just Delver's never gonna die. Like, no. as long as you can turn things sideways, like Delver's gonna be fine. And Wasteland Days them, right? As long as, like, you can yeah. Wasteland Days them and, you know, they'll, they'll change their threat suite. You'll, you know, the four Delvers and Dazes will be in the deck and they'll change everything else. So, you know, I like it. I like Delver being existence. I feel bad for it right now because I think this metagame is not... There's two, two in the top eight of the challenge, which, you know, I said maybe we shouldn't put real, like, too much stock in these challenge top eights and stuff, but... You know, there there was definitely Delver in the top eight because it turns out it turns out that Dreadhorde Arcanist is a good card, right? Well, they're also blue red, right? 
Like they're just uh, trying to kill their opponents. No, A bomb diggity just what's his name? Adam Adam something something. I'm so bad with names. Oh yeah, he's, name, he's Grixis. Let's see it. He he yeah. copy pasted Topher's list that he won like the PTQ or some shit with. Yeah. It's exact same seventy five. Seventy five is stock Grixis Delver, it looks fine. You you play cards, you beat cheeks, um no bedlam revelers, but we're playing uh the fish that gets bounced by Brazen Borrower and then you question life. And but Oko. then you're just Yeah. But then you're like there's no other better card to play in this slot. Uh, maybe true name's okay, but true name's also a three drop, but these decks probably should, you know, still have access to like one true name or something because it's still a good card, but who really cares? Yeah. You know that the whole thing just talked me into is Tarmogoyf right for our deck that we were talking about because of Oko and Brazen? Yeah, but but Tarmogoyf's a two drop. Right, no, no, I agree with that. I agree with that. It's a two it comes down on turn two. I was just the you idea just, of Oko to my Tarmogoyf. Yeah, but you thought he's you thought he's the Oko first. That's right, we dropped white. That's right. Exactly. That's right. We dropped white. That's See, and salt. then you also get abrupt decay. And if oh, they yeah. and if they like elk your tarmogoyf and it dies you just exile it to bring back your euro oh yes and then when your opponent plays plays an oko and turns your euro into an elk you play another euro and then you just sack (laughs) the first one because it's a legendary euro elk and uh you just let it die right just recast it you don't have to go through the hoops it's it's yeah. built in you could even push your own euro just because you want to it's it's not really card loss because you draw another card like and you need the you need the exile fodder anyways maybe maybe pull a peter vanderham and throw a yellow Caracas in your deck that doesn't utilize uh white mana and have it in the main board just because it synergizes with your titan because that's the thing that he's doing in his breach delver list yeah, so um, if anybody wants to contact you, Lawrence, where can they do that? <laughs> you can find me on the internet. You know where I'm at. Stalking Caracas memes. <laughs> I'm not stalking Caracas memes. I'm just saying it's a thing he's doing. Uh, it is a thing that if most people did, I would question their sanity. Uh, but Peter Vanderham has already proven himself to be a very, very smart thin and handsome player. And, um, you know, I respect his ability to build decks that my brain would not put together and make them work. Uh, Breach Delver is a very cool idea. It's likely something that I wouldn't have done or would have, like, dismissed as something I would try to build. And I think the idea of, like, a Delver deck having a random explosive turn where you, like, functionally get to um empty the warrens because like breach synergizes well with like led plus cantrips and you just like buy back your young peasy like it's really cool just like being able to play like the normal mid-rangey game of grixis delver and then have a turn where your opponent's just like oh wow um the i grounded i grinded it you know, they, your opponent put on the pretty Ricky and they, they ground on you or whatever. And they're like, my Delver opponent's out of the game. And then you're just like, nope, uh, Black Belcher got my crutch. Empty the the PZ tokens. 
maybe combo we, off and kill you. Imagine if we had probes still. Oh my god. Hey yo, shout out to Breach Delver for winning the. What was it? Swedish? Not Swedish. It wasn't Czech. Danish. Danish legacy championships. Is that yeah. Marcus? Is that Marcus's thing? I don't know. Um, I I honestly don't keep track of where the Euros are from at this point anymore. Uh, it's a lot of effort, and it's they they aren't from America, so it doesn't matter. Um, <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> just, just, just. <laughs> so close. <laughs> when I ask you what color Kool Aid you've been drinking, <laughs> oh, I don't drink Kool Aid. Um, I'm a man of culture. <laughs> I. American I'm, culture. <laughs> you know it. The only culture that matters, right? No, uh, shout out to Marcus Holtzman, who got second place, losing to Reach Delver. My understanding is that uh, the the match ended with a, a counter war that was topped off by the, the young Natty Brain Freeze to put him in a body bag. So that is um, spicy or something. I like it. I like it. Just brain freeze hitting people, brain freeze hitting people in like counter wars and fair mirrors when like Veil of Summer isn't a factor. Nice, real nice. Oh my god! Yeah, I just can't believe this. This is insane. I'm looking at it. I'm. I went. You made me go look up the Dutch Open series, <laughs> and I'm looking through all this nonsense. I'm just like, God. I don't know, man. Underworld Breach. Yay. Welcome welcome to the Legacy Big Leagues, and thanks for making when's, me playable. When's the next set dropping? Uh, it's is that it's Ikora, right? The monster set? Ooh, so, the big thing set. Yeah. Interesting. I, I think we're okay. I think it's April 24th. Um, don't quote me on that. I'm, I think it's April 24th. Um, it's like... Okay. Is it Layer of Behemoths? It's got some s- silly tagline. But I think it is a Cora Layer of Behemoths. I know the picture shows big monsters, and we see a planeswalker that. What was the planeswalker they showed in there already? They showed one of the past planeswalkers in the key art. I won't. Somebody else tell me. I don't remember. But. Oh, it's the, it's the, it's the Vivian, the chick with the bow. Oh, so so Steve, the list that won the Dutch Open, seventeen Landover list, one cling to dust in the main deck, three ponder, one of the seventeen lands is a Caracas. Combos with the one of Croxa Titans of Death's Hunger. Oh yes. Has, yes. has literally nothing else in the deck. Speak to me. 17 lands, one Krakus. Holy shit. You got you got me you got me at you got me at the uh it's the black red the black red one. See, everybody anybody can play Tropical Island. <laughs> there there are three drops in this deck and there's not an eighteenth land in the sideboard. Well, 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 you don't need it. 
Where, where are you getting this list from? I need to pull this up and build it immediately. Who needs the fourth ponder? If you search for... Um, I'm at Dutch Open Series. Yeah, so if you go to click on the Legacy tab and then you click on Casper... Uh, um, I'm not going to pronounce that guy's last name because I will butcher it. Uh, if you click on Casper's uh, deck list... Oh, there's Four Thought Scour. Never mind. It all makes sense. It all makes sense. The lack of unearth in this deck is truly uh, egregious. It makes them a madman. Literally, <clears throat> everything in this deck is unearthable, like all your creatures. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I, I'm, I, I gotta look at this. Oh, man, we got a Kroxa. We got... Um, oh, my. What are these numbers? Peter Vanderham numbers, my guy. This is a commander deck. This deck, <laughs> the three, the three Infernal Tutor Delver deck. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I mean, you wouldn't this is, know. This is what I call pod racing, Steven. <laughs> three LED, two Underworld Breach, like... Mm. One Ingress mm. Rampage, just mm. because... One mm. K command, just because. Oh, the fourth force of will. It's on the side. Yeah, yeah, that seems reasonable to me. Um. <laughs> One spell pierce, sure. You, you know, you know what? You don't. We got it all wrong. You don't need counter spells if you're gonna kill them dead. You don't need counter yeah. spells. <laughs> you you put them in a body bag. You know, why is this would this hilarious? be a, a good time to plug our sponsor that isn't really sponsoring us? Bodybagstore.com. Go there for all of your outlet body bag needs. Right. And also, that is, that leave your wastelands. Website. Leave your wastelands at the door. You can't play wasteland when you're on 17 land, Stephen. How else are you going to fit in Caracas? So that's why they can play 17 lands because they don't have wasteland. Yeah. So yeah, we got yes. it all wrong. So they've got but seven, also, seven it, duels. It doesn't matter how much mana your opponent has if you Ravens grind them every turn for two, three, three mana. Three mana. Somebody build Bugged Over with Loam. No, it's three mana with the Caracas. Oh, you got to Caracas. That's right. You've got to Caracas this thing. <laughs> you got to Caracas it. Like, <laughs> I keep you got to get full value. I, sorry. Holy shit. I'm, this, I'm off the plan. <laughs> this four color Snoko deck with blood moons in the sideboard. It's been just... going. That's been happening. That's God. that's that's happening a lot. People are angry. The people on the Reddit play places They should have never gave these motherfuckers Astrolabe. I swear to God. You know you know I was all about the Astrolabe. I was like, Astrolabe's fine, we're keeping it, it's fine. <laughs> then I see these Blood Moon decks, I'm like, whoa. Whoa, <laughs> we're back to death right check pile decks with blood moon. No, yeah. it can go. <laughs> Get it Shocking. out. <laughs> you you lost me at blood moon. Like which which do you think Wizards cares less about uh, the color pie and legacy or black representation within the game? <laughs> well, let's see. I was I was hoping you go that direction. Huh. it's a really good question. Hmm. I'm I'm gonna have to go with 
the one they care less about is black representation. <laughs> hey. <laughs> with gonna, that I'm said, have to go with the facts. With that said, I have said this before. I will reiterate it. I had better not see Jace in a dashiki. We. <laughs> I am fine going all of Black History Month without wizards pandering. Because um, I'm just good on all that. We didn't forget that wizards dropped the pride shirts and <laughs> that immediately erased their one like half gay couple that they like pretended was going to be a real thing as a way to finesse their fan base. You know, but like wait magic they, players. Wait keep... Jace drops the hood and he's black. Like how 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 angry are you gonna be? <laughs> I mean, look, people thought that wizards actually cared about like like the whole like what was it the pride planeswalker thing was more than a money grab, even though like companies have a long-standing history of rainbow marketing being a thing, and like it's you can see it from a mile away like constantly, but uh. People somehow getting tricked, keep getting tricked into believing that it's just like a thing that isn't happening or something. And I don't get it. But hey, you know, Chandra and Nissa were a couple for like <laughs> two weeks because, you know, hey, hey, it's okay, right? Right? Just, just forget that what Magic's core fan base is, you know, straight white dudes and. Have you ever wondered why Wonder Woman is uh, always straight or basically never dating anyone or is like only dating Superman? It's because it's because, you know, you got to keep your female characters uh, sexually available for your fan base to fantasize about. And, uh, you know, you know how that works, Steve. Yeah, I'm not. Hmm, yeah, yeah, I guess. No, I like. Wonder Woman is always single. Like female characters are usually like single or just like overtly sexualized and it's like obnoxious, you know? It'd be nice to have like women written well. You know, people I, are t- I agree with that. Like I was really sad when they went with Catwoman like falling in over head over heels with Batman and they got married and all like that was boring to me. Well, they got unmarried. They did the brand new day thing where they were just like, How about we unmarry them? You know, but that's worse. Which, sure, I guess. Like, like uh, I don't want them to get married in the first place because Catwoman was cooler just to be like her own. She's her own thing. She's like, I'm just, I can't be chained to you. I can't be chained to anyone. I'm gonna do whatever I want because I'm, I'm Catwoman. Well, like people also hate writing functional relationships in comics and all. It's yeah. it's like the Daredevil Electra thing where like. I, it's been a while since I read a Daredevil comic, but like the Netflix Daredevil, Electra was written really poorly, and she was basically just like a MacGuffin that caused Matt Murdock to have a raging erection that caused him to just do stupid shit, and that was that was it. There was like nothing really else going on with her character, uh, and it was really sad to watch because there was like the potential for something interesting to actually be there, but they were just like nah. Um, yeah, I feel like that's what they did with the entire that entire like line of heroes <laughs> like the yeah. individual stories except for danny who was terrible danny the, the iron fist kid oh danny ran oh I think his last yeah that show was so bad oh I, I don't 
I'm I can never forgive them for Iron Fist. Iron like, Fist was so bad. Like everyone had a superpower and could beat people up except for the dude with the Iron Fist. How the like, fuck how the ev- fuck do you have a kung fu based show or like a martial arts based show and it just has like the worst fight choreography? Right. And the guy can't fight. Like everyone beat him up. Everyone beat him up in his show in the other things he always was getting beat up and I'm like that's your superpower. Your fight. You hit people. You do well. Like you had to like survive these trials to get the glowing fist from the dragon. Whatever. It's kooky. But you can't even fight now. Like the, I needed the dragon to show up and bite his arm off and fly away. Like yeah, they tried some. so hard. They even came out with a second. They tried so hard to like not make that a complete flop. It was just so bad. Yeah. Well, even yeah. in the second one, the chick got the the chick got the iron fist power for two seconds and could light up her swords, and she was cooler. Oh yeah, yeah she was yeah. just a significantly more interesting character than Danny Rand for like the whole ser- series. Yeah. Like I just like I said, it was I cheered for the bad guy in that series. I cheered for the bad guy. I don't just, even remember who the bad guy was. The, That's how forgettable the show was. Yeah, it was the guy that also got his power at the end and was better than him instantly from Oh, Law. Steel Snake or whatever yeah. is like his code name. Yeah, 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 yeah. He was also better and I cheered for him. Like I cheered for everybody. Like I I don't know. The 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 Defenders, the Defender series were all terrible. You know, they they paced them poorly. They were too long in episodes, but then like the like the Defenders itself was too short. Netflix has started making a lot of their shows like eight season, eight episodes long because they realize that like they don't have to jam like two episodes of dumb filler in, and they don't have to like also have um, they also don't have to have like the you like the super this. slow lead up to the climax. Like yeah, give you late episodes, get in, get out. It's perfect that they're doing that now. Um, are you are you watching? You see, Key and Lock. Uh. I never read that comic, so I'm kind. I like saw it, saw that it was on Netflix, and I was kind of like, uh, I don't, maybe, maybe I'll watch this. Maybe I won't. I don't know yet. Uh, I'll probably save it for a day that I'm just bored and chilling. But my my optimism for Netflix adaptions is like medium at this point. You see all the incels angry that they that uh like. Margot Robbie isn't overtly sexualized in uh, Birds of Prey because that's the thing that's happening. You know, it's. I saw some of the nonsense and I was like, did you guys not watch the first one, Suicide Squad? Like, did you not Uh, watch it? (laughs) Well, she was kind of. I'm not going to say she was a dirty girl, but. there was at least I, I remember there being more in terms of like I don't know spank bank fuel for neckbeards right there but uh like people are mad that Suicide Squad is or not Birds of Prey isn't that or something and that's also stupid and, and again oh, wait, I really wait. wish wait they're mad that she's <clears throat> not okay I, yeah. I misunderstood your comments I thought you said people were mad because she's been over-sexualized for Birds of Prey. No. No, people were mad that she wasn't sexualized enough in Birds of Prey. And it's like, well... Oh, my God. 
you can have wow. you can have fe- you can have characters that are right. female and just have them exist you know and have motivations outside of like dick you know i n- i know that it's like a hard thing to reconcile for some people but like that's just I'm, a thing you can do i would be mad that they made a second movie to that movie because that movie was so bad so like, it looked like big bad beetleborgs at one, one movie suicide squad the original suicide squad when they've got like the the dude with the giant horns and um oh this whatever the enchantress and like yeah. they got the floating sperms in the background it looked like a bad episode of big bad beetleborgs like they spent their whole money on um Deadshot. Oh, who was it? Was that Will Smith? Yeah, it definitely yeah. went downhill. But, like, I've heard Birds of Prey is actually good, which, you know, that's nice. I hope that's, like, actually the case. Um, I, did you watch Joker? I need to see it. I don't go see movies in theaters, so I always see them super late. So, I need to watch Joker. Um, I watched it. I waited for Redbox. I watched it. It's... I didn't enjoy it. Uh, I felt it was like a character study on how to go insane. Like, I heard it was a reasonable commentary on like how outcasts of society can snap mentally or something. Yes, but like, I felt like because it was all that pain, like you know, like if you ever like stub your foot in the door and it hurts real bad. You don't ever go on to watch a movie on how you how you stubbed your foot in the door and it hurt real bad. Like, you don't... Like, and that's the whole point. Like, never, like, you don't see the healing or nothing. You just see, like, the crash and the pain and the... the... Well, isn't that the point? Like, we have a lot, we have a lot of films or, like, depictions of things in media where it's, like, something really bad is happening... And then everything magically gets better and resolved. And here's a situation where they don't just like retcon it with plot magic or whatever. Right. No, I get that. <clears throat> I, I actually do get that. But that's for me not going to be the the most enjoyable experience. So like, I don't think that's why I like. I like. I I think I've grown up with the retcon theory, and I've kind of gotten used to it. Like I I like sometimes when things like stay dark or you know whatever because it makes more sense but like at the same time like it went it went well beyond how it didn't make me think this is the creation of the joker it made me think how did this guy not get the electric chair look at it as don't look at it as like the actual joker like a lot of the times when i watch movies i don't think of them as like the actual character i just think of them as like an alternate universe version of that character because it makes so like I don't want to see a one for one adaption of something from like comic to movie because I can just read the comic and it's going to be better written and like take less time and be a more enjoyable experience. So I actually like when directors um take liberties, you know. No, I, I agree with that. Well, I mean, it's perfect for Batman and Joker anyways, because there is no definitive version. Like, we, Bruce, there's a definitive version. His parents died in an alleyway. Mom got killed. We all saw the pearls fall many different ways. Right. 
moving on. But like Joker, there's never been a definitive version. There's like a million different versions of like his creation or his like gumming up. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. A lot of people just subscribe to Alan Moore's story because it's like easy to just go by the killing joke. Yeah. Um, But like, so like I'm okay with the Joker getting like it not being the creation of the Joker. What like I didn't understand was like, so like it was more like the sickness joke there where like he infected other people with his, with his uh, anarchy. Like he, he's actually more like the character anarchy where he spreads, you know, are you mad because they remade V for vendetta with walking Phoenix? Yes. That's basically that, it. That's basically it. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Well, and like he should have just been killed. Like we, they, they had like alluded to like he, he escapes at the end or whatever. Or I just was just like, he would just die. Like he just like shot this talk show host on live TV in front of everyone. Like, it's just like, it was so, it was, um, you'll see it. You'll watch it. You'll see it. It's like, you'll probably enjoy it more than I did. I know what you're talking about with that shot scene i heard there was a i heard a rumor that the original ending was supposed to be him in the alleyway and he like shoots martha and thomas wayne oh god look no 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 no, looks at bruce starts walking away turns around shugs his shoulders and then shoots bruce so it was like kind of this yeah kind of this moment where they like go like this isn't your joker by the way I would have loved that. I see. I see. So. I think we actually see Bruce. Yeah, we do. We see them go into the alleyway at the end, and it's his chaos that causes it. Basically, oh, that's, yeah, yeah. but see, I I'm, like that hurt it more, right? Like I was just yeah. like, because first of all, now the age difference between this guy, because this guy's like forty, and Bruce is a kid. So what is Joker like, the geriatric Walker to this Batman? Like well, that that disjoints well, it all. Isn't the idea that, like, this guy is, like, not actually the Joker Joker and he's more just, like, inciting a movement? So, like, the the Joker that ends up plaguing Bruce Wayne's life is more or less a copycat as opposed to being... Right. But that's my problem. You know. that That's like, my problem. Like, that, that's why I would never like it. Because Joker is Joker and all the other people are copycats. Yeah, it's like uh, when you found out Spider-Man was the clone, and and Marvel had to like redo that because everybody was like, "Well, this is terrible because we love Peter Parker," and Marvel was like, "Oops, we messed up." <laughs> yeah, I mean, nerds also just hate change, right? Creatures of habit. So, like, you're in a situation where you have like an IP that, like. <clears throat> comic book nerds are weird because they want new and interesting stories, but they also just want the same story over and over. So it's like, they want you to do something new with this character, but when you do do anything new, people freak out. It's like, Oh, let's, you know, we've written the same Thor story over and over guy with guy with hammer shows up guy with hammer slaps things guy with hammer has muscles and there's some lightning and some shit or whatever. And, uh, we in there or some something and stuff and then uh people are like happy with that but then it gets boring because after a while you're tired of like having every other comic just being like muscles and the word verily written over and over so now you have jane foster as thor and they're just like hey this is an interesting story where we can explore you know the concept of like 
Thor not actually having powers realistically, but like the hammer bestowing powers based on the sense of worthiness and maybe exploring like more complex emotions because there's someone who has something else at stake here, you know, her having cancer and all that and they trying better, to they better survive that. that. I need, I need her to have cancer. Like, yeah, I have, that's, I have not that's, seen that happen yet. And I need that to happen. That's a huge character motivation, but the issue is that isn't something they've discussed in the comic, in the movies at all. There's no setup for it. So, like, audiences would probably, like, reel in disgust or, like, reject that awkwardly. Well, she disappeared. She disappeared for a whole movie, and they kind of poked fun at it. Because, um, whatever her name is, she didn't want to do Marvel movies because she hated the character being played so dumb. Um, so that was why... And and they poked fun at her in one of the movies, like Jane who like, so like you could have they can use that and say she was in the hospital and Thor's being a dick, because you know Thor can take the dick mantle very well. Sure. So like you they can still play it and I think they should because it helped Jane Foster's character. I've read I've always read Thor comic books, and yeah, like Thor comic books are so much more than just Hammer hammering guy i, know I mean you, when I they're your tr- when they're about but yeah like, like john michael straczynski had a really good run on thor and like i very much read a lot of thor uh at a point in my life um i think the problem with thor will always be the same problem with most comic books when they get too mystical or too anything people disjoint from it and it loses it like nobody liked well, when he had the stick that was Mjolnir. He had the human had to pick up the stick to turn into him. Doc. Um, oh yeah, Doc. Whatever. Um, yeah. I'll I mean, run. my my issue with American comics was that there was a period where both Marvel and DC were so heavily slanted toward these big crossover events, and like when there wasn't an event, the story writing was often fairly bad, and it was just like these throwaway plot lines that are just kind of supposed to lead you into another crossover event but the crossover events required you to like spend a bunch of money reading you know all of the tie-ins and everything and they like weren't necessarily that interesting like you know what we had um civil war civil war 2 dark reign uh secret invasion i can go on marvel for a while dc had yeah. a bunch of them too dc spider island and the oh, like god like Brand. dark rain led into siege which led into like something else which led like it just kept going and going and i eventually just stopped buying comics because there was like a civil war 2 a civil yeah, war 2 where they tried to finesse people into thinking that uh carol danvers is an interesting character even though like they consistently tried to do things with her as a character and always failed because they just like could never get it to stick because oh, no, there was one comic series. She was great. There was there was a great comic book series. Which series? Um, oh, what was it? I can't remember now. They actually had a good series with her not too long ago. I can't even remember the name of it. But it was it was her. Like it was good. It was solid. It had really good pop art. Um, I loved every bit of it. Um, like the issue with Carol Danvers is she's just a character that you want. Uh, you want her to be good. Right, but the issue is like she's just awkwardly the Supergirl clone, and writers just didn't know what to do to make her interesting or like different from just being straight up Supergirl. 
So they basically have just like constantly shelved her because they don't care. And um that's... I think it's when, I think it's when she became when Carol Danvers became um Captain America. Captain Marvel, you mean? Uh, oh, sorry, Cap- Captain Marvel. Yeah. When she became, when she left Miss Marvel and became Captain Marvel, it was like 2012, whatever. I can't remember. It was a really good series in the beginning, because she wasn't. She was still learning how to use the powers. Yeah, taking that character and like removing the whole like shadow of being under a man probably gave people a lot more leeway in terms of just like writing stories about her as a character instead of going like having that nagging thing in the back of your head of like yeah this is just chick captain marvel or whatever or something yeah i mean when they when they wrote her series i want to say it was 2012 it was really good um when they made her like uber powerful you know, that's the problem. Like, I don't care what superhero it is. When they're super powerful, they're boring. Because they fix, like, you know, god destruction level problems. So, like, you, until you challenge them with a god event, the the you're just like, yeah, you know, something showed up and they, they did their thing and we moved on. So, like, I don't really want to see that stuff. Like, you know, a Superman, a Superman's always been one of the worst comic books because it takes another Superman for Superman to be interesting. There have been, like, well-written... I was actually thinking about this the other day, about how Superman probably works better as a supporting character in a lot of series. Um, Justice League. He's really good in Justice League. Which Justice League? Any of them. All the Justice Leagues, he's actually been a very good character. He's almost interesting. You know, like... Because, like, if things get real problem and the superheroes are going to fall, you can always, like, go, got Superman. And, like, you know, and, and then, like, he's also the morality wheel at the same time. So, like, he can fix God-level problems and keep this, the team, like, on track, you know, doing the right thing. So I've always liked him there. But as far as his own comic book, I hate him. He's so boring. Sure. I think it also depends on the writer, like... Uh, when they delve into like the humanity of Superman, he can be an interesting character. Like the recently he had like a kid within the last few years, yeah, uh, and John, Jonathan, and like from what I've seen, those storylines are somewhat interesting. So I do, I do like those. I so I like when they did like grounded. I think it was Jay Michael Straczynski as well. He did like Superman grounded, and he was like not going to be power. Like he he was walking the earth. He's pulling a Forrest Gump mm. and walking across the country. And, you know, I I liked... I like when they do that, but at the same time, like, I kind of want to read a superhero book. So I'd rather just have a less powerful superhero who has to overcome things. You know, I'm not quite Batman-friendly. I like reading the Batman books once in a while, but then again, they, they, time, they tend to get, like, event-tastic. You know, you get event fatigue. Because there's so you many just want a little struggle for the culture. Also, the whole Bat Family thing and that, that's my problem. Batman Incorporated and yeah, oh Batman Batman franchising. You know, Bat yeah. Capitalism is not really an interesting plot device. I mean, come on, it's ridiculous. Like he's like he's the Cape Crusader. He hates other people, and then he's like, but it, I hate other people, but meet all my other Bat friends. 
Yeah, I mean, Bruce Wayne's just a lonely guy who's maladjusted and doesn't actually understand how to form relationships, so uh, he's also similarly hard to write for, but he's like Wolverine, where, like, you can get away with, like, not... uh, not really going in depth about him as a character because you can just do some cool ninja shit and people are just like, ooh, Batman. But at least so. Wolverine's like Wolverine's other Wolverines are because he can't keep his pants on. And it kind of at least makes well, sense hey, to the hey, character. hey, hey. Like Hey, hey, it's not because he can't keep his pants on. It's because he can't keep that he can't stop getting his genetic material stolen no, no, no. and then getting his mind wiped. What about Dakin? Or Dakin or whatever. Okay, it, there's like five Wolverines, right? <laughs> yeah, right. One of one of them's a clone. X-23. One of them is his legitimate child. Yeah. One of them's like two Old of them are from like alternate dimensions or something. Yeah. yeah. One of them's himself from the future who time traveled into the past. Yep. And then there's like himself from like another like X-T- yeah yeah. There's a bunch of Wolverines and only one of them is because he he was slaying in that dick. You know, only I guess you got me on that. Uh, look, which, oh. by the way, don't get me started on Dakin, the fucking edgelord Wolverine. Like that was the most cringy shit ever. I was like, hey, guys, what if Wolverine has a mohawk and tribal tattoos and daddy issues? Well, no, I'm sorry. The biggest meme is was Wolverine had five different series and he was dead. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Five different series and he was dead. Five titles a month and he was dead. When like, the when the movies were coming out, uh, like the Marvel movies, Wolverine was in literally everything. Like every cro- he was in he was making cameos and everything and in like random things and stuff. It was absurd. Yeah, but he was like he was actually dead in the comic books for for years. Mm-hmm. And then, and they said, and then they had this big thing, this big event where Wolverine was coming back, and it was just like he's had five titles for like five years. Who cares if he's coming back? He hasn't left. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you've, you've had a Wolverine from the past. You've had a Wolverine from the future. You had a Wolverine from his loins. You had a Wolverine from his test tube. Like, who cares? Pick a Wolverine. You got one. Like, yeah, uh, yeah. I'm. We're on a comic book rant, but that's yeah. why you stick, that's why you stick with Green Lantern. Green Lantern holistic you don't like kyle jordan that's fine you got kyle rayner you don't like that one you got john stewart you don't like that one you got simon baz he he used a gun why i don't know he had a power ring but he's people a gun. people i don't think <laughs> most people actually realize that uh they replace the green lanterns with a, a muslim guy who carries a gun and a woman hispanic woman right uh well yeah. there's been a couple yes <laughs> yeah, Jessica I Cruz is one of them. Yes. Yeah, I I have cursory knowledge of their existence, and um, I I heard they tried to like delve into some interesting deep topics and stuff. Uh, something the, about uh, the like, newest series is off the charts, insane because uh, is Alan Moore. <laughs> That's all I gotta uh, say. Wait, Alan Moore's writing again? I think it was for Alan DC. Moore's. There's no way Alan Moore's writing for DC. Or no, no, who was it? Who's doing it? Is it Alan Moore or Grant Morrison? I can't remember which one of the crazy ones is doing it, but one of them is definitely doing it. And uh, um, I'll have to look here in a second. And and uh, it it's 
It's it's kooky. It's about as kooky as you can be to the point where like they actually um, like created an alternate timeline. And it's Grant Morrison. So sorry, I got I got oh. my kooky comic book writers mixed up. Yeah, Grant Morrison, Gr- Frank Miller, Alan Moore. I don't, you know, you you either you either die a Jack Kirby or you live long enough to see yourself become a Stanley, right? That's how that works. Yes. Well, but like in the current like Green Lantern mainstay comic book, like he became a he like left, joined the Black Stars, which were like the bad Green Lanterns. And killed all the DC superheroes and took over the world. Like, it was, like, crazy. And he did it all because at, like, one point, like, mentions, like, because Batman's actually a psychopath who dresses up like people and is secretly trying to backstab everyone. So they're going to backstab him first. It's like, what? I don't know if Grant Morrison just had some rage issues on the whole DC properties, but he blew it all up. And then he undid it at the end. So... It's 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 a good title right now, if you I like mean, craziness. Grant Morrison is. I keep no, I'm mixing up in my head with Garth Ennis, the guy who did The Boys and yeah. Crossed. Which, if you're if you're listening to this, never read Crossed. It's so bad. It's so bad. I like, mean, like The Boys is edge edge lord feel, but it actually has like some interesting stuff ingrained within it like commentary on superheroes and stuff but crossed is just not not good anyway well yeah it's just yeah grant morrison's nuts so if you ever get a chance to read it take that take that as a grain of salt he's nuts and move on i didn't realize he did we three we three was a nice comic he he's got some really good stuff, but man, he is nuts. Like in the beginning of the Green Lantern comic book, you you ever see Men in Black? I know you've seen Men in Black. Uh, I've seen the good one. Okay, it and doesn't matter. You've seen you've seen it though, right? Will Smith, Tommy Lee Jones, right? First one. Mm-hmm. All right. Remember how Tommy Lee Jones was like, you know, ah, slick. You got to know when when this thing's from Estel Five. Like you 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 can tell because it doesn't like to drink coffee unless it's on the left side of the room. And Will Smith's like, what? They pull that with Hal Jordan. Hal Jordan's like walking through the desert and gets attacked by these humans. And he straight up goes like, he throws like something, some kind of food item at him. And they're like, ah! And then it's like, he starts fighting him with his fist. And he goes, well, I know because you have an aversion to this food that you're this kind of alien. And I'm just like, Grant Morrison was watching Men in Black when he wrote my, wrote my Green Lantern comic book. Great so, yep. I promise you this entire scene where you read it like twice and you're like, this was this was straight plagiarism. Okay. Oh. But Well, okay then. Alright, well have a good night, everyone. Thanks for listening to Thirst for Knowledge, a Magic the Gathering podcast. Comic books. <laughs> <laughs> I I'm i totally missed where I was supposed to go, but I got to talk about comic books, so I don't care. Yeah. <clears throat> yep. Good night. <laughs> Good night, everyone.